Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 157 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing the ancient Chinese philosophy of feng shui. And more specifically, we are discussing how some of feng shui's principles can amplify the minimalist principles we are all seeking to create in our homes. Now, feng shui is about arranging our living spaces in a way that creates balance with nature. The goal is to invite positive energy inside so that ultimately you feel energized. And even if you think that the concepts of energy forces and the five elements are too out there, too pie in the sky for you, know that feng shui's design principles can be quite practical in their implication so that your home both functions better and reduces your mental load. Today, I am speaking with Brooke Lavoie. Brooke is an interior designer and a professional home stager who incorporates feng shui into her clients' homes because she believes that we benefit when we connect with our homes. She believes also that our living spaces can and should nurture, not clutter the mind. And so Brooke is on the show today to explain exactly how feng shui can help our homes do just that. Now, before we get into today's interview, I thought it would be super fun to start with what feng shui is not by offering up a quick little quiz. And by the way, back in my days as a teacher, we would never call this a quiz. We would have called it a pre-assessment. But anyway, in this pre-assessment, I am going to make 10 statements, and I want you to decide whether or not the statement applies to your own home. If the statement's applicable, give yourself a point. And at the end of the assessment, we're going to total up our points. So of course, it goes without saying that the purpose of this pre-assessment quiz, whatever you want to call it, is not to shame you or to make you feel bad. But instead, the goal, the point is to begin looking at our spaces through a feng shui lens. All right, so here we go really quick. 10 statements. Give yourself a point if the statement applies to you. Number one, your home has deferred cosmetic maintenance. Your home has deferred cosmetic maintenance. Something's broken and you haven't fixed it. That's number one. Number two, your home has fewer than three live houseplants. Number three, you have a television in your bedroom. Number four, 
you would describe your home's entryway as a quote, hot mess. I love that one. Your home's entryway is a hot mess. Number four, give yourself a point if it's applicable. Number five, you almost never use your home's front door. You go in through the side door. Number six, you keep your bathroom door open when you're not using it. Number seven, you have not washed your windows in at least 12 months. Okay, I'm giving myself definitely a point for that one. You have not washed your windows in at least 12 months. Give yourself a point. Number eight, you have a strange feeling in your gut that your home has too much furniture. That's number eight. Two left. Number nine, you keep your knives on the kitchen counter. You keep your knives on the kitchen counter. Maybe you have a knife block or something along those lines. You keep your knives on the kitchen counter. And finally, number 10, you use that space under your bed for storage. Okay, there's your quiz. Add up your points. It goes without saying, if your total is closer to 10, we've got some work to do. If your total is small, one, two, three, four, you're looking good from a feng shui lens. All right, so we have just now identified precisely what feng shui is not. I will let the expert describe what feng shui is and how we can apply it to our homes. Enjoy my conversation with Brooke Lavoie. So my name is Brooke Lavoie. I'm located in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I like to describe myself as just a creator, but I do interior design, real estate, Um, host a couple Airbnbs, and I just love energy and environment and all the things that go along with that. I like renovating a lot of older homes, bringing back in all the elements and saving, being sustainable and minimalist as possible of those materials. So it's a passion of mine. I've been doing like interior design staging ever since I was honestly 12 years old. And we were staging some of my parents' condos. My dad's a builder and my mom's a realtor. So I've grown up around houses and every house feels, smells, you know, it takes on the energy. It's actually, I don't want to dive into it. We'll get into it later, but the environment is everything. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, I'm going to definitely ask you about that in one second. But I just want to say that you need an HGTV show. Oh, I know. I know that would be so fun. (laughs) I really wanted to talk to you today because listeners write to me all the time about how they want their homes to be calm and serene and peaceful, but they just aren't for whatever reason. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's kids not picking up their messes. Maybe it's a spouse who has a different organizing stylism. There's always a reason as to why the home is not the serene space. What can we do about that? There's a lot of things we can do and it's totally normal. Everyone is at home and on top of each other and we just have to declutter and get down to the basics. I know you talk about that a lot, but just seeing what do I need every day that needs to be in my sight, but then what you do not need, you can put that away behind closed doors. That's really, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And getting a system together that works for the whole family, walking through that and maybe even creating that together, like this is where this goes. And that's always fun for a whole family to put in. 
as well as just getting down to the basics. You argue that issues in a house is often a reflection of issues in one's life. And that is a bold statement. So I'm wondering if you can unpack that for me. Absolutely. So everything is energy, as I said. The environment is a reflection of what's going on. It's actually 33.3% to our good luck. What happens through our life is 33.3% dependent on what is in your environment. Subconsciously, we're taking in our environment at all times. So that's why I believe it's so important to have the environment set up for what you desire and if you have things that are, for example, we're replacing the, the kitchen floor right now because there was cracked tiles. Those are just energy leaks in the house. Um, when you walk by it every day, you see it, you get cut. Just those kind of little things that you don't think about and you can put on the back burner, but they're actually affecting your entire life. Hmm. Are you seeing then that issues that we have in our house, which may seem cosmetic, we should really address right away? I would say if you can, if it's, of course, financially uh, a good time, maybe even saving up for that. But the biggest things you can do that are free is just rearranging your space to where ideally when you walk into a home, you want it to feel open, spacious. You don't really want a window or a door. A window should be fine, but a door directly in front of that. If there is, you can just put a plant there or rearranging the furniture. The biggest thing uh, that I see is, is the office desk against the wall. We really want to move the office desk where you can look into the door as seeing anything that comes in. And you can actually relate that to seeing the abundance and the possibilities. So there are a lot of just rearranging your furniture, getting it down to that simple feng shui. There's little tips you can just follow as well as like shutting the bathroom door and the toilet so you don't have more energy out just going down the drain, literally. Okay. That's so interesting to me. I know nothing about feng shui, but what you're saying just kind of makes intuitive sense. So tell me and my listeners, how can those of us who know nothing about the concept incorporate little bits of pieces into our own homes? Yeah, feng shui is all about the elements. It's an ancient Chinese practice that mainly you use in interiors because energy and elements affect everything. Like I said, your environment. So to have the chi, which is energy flowing through your house, that's supportive in a good way is you don't want sharp objects or sharp corners. You want it to flow nicely. You mentioned earlier about bringing the elements into the home. You mentioned fire, water, earth, how do you bring the elements in for your clients? And bonus points, if you can give some tips for my listeners that don't cost a lot of money. Absolutely. So the things that don't cost are going to be like, if you have house plants already, that's great because they are an earth element and they are wonderful to um, create chi boundaries in a way that like if chi energy it flows by air and water so when you walk through 
entering the house, you want the energy to flow. You don't want things, sharp objects in the way. Like right now we have the fridge and the stove literally in the hallway and the living room because we're doing the floor. So that's like obviously affecting me, I can tell. (laughs) But if you can have the, just like the walking area open and clear and then everything supported where you have a good balance. So you want the five elements to be in balance and that is fire. So that's your warm candles. That is your warm maroon, uh, reddish colors or just the darker element colors. And then there's earth, which is green and plants and grounding and harmony feeling like Green is just a great color to just, it goes well with everything. I think that's why plants look so beautiful in a home. And water are your blues. which I just painted my office, which was all white and gray. And the office space for my clients, I like to do a green or a blue because white can feel just overwhelming with the amount of reflective energy that can come off of it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I don't know where to start. It's a good grounding or um, blues like your throat chakra also. So it's a good expression uh, to bring in a color that you really love. And you can be bold with colors. Colors are, paint colors are like one of the, the more affordable things that you can do to increase and balance out the, the elements in your home. So if you do have to spend a little money, go you know, get a gallon of paint and paint one wall, maybe. And the other element after water is wood. So this is what I was talking about with the reclaimed and refurbished wood. I love saving like scrap pieces or from old, there was um, an old Tudor style home that my parents tore down, basically down to the studs. But to me, that's like the perfect time to bring it into a space that's got a lot of metal or a lot of fresh, clean, white energy or something, and it can balance out with those darker wood refurbished elements. So if you ever get wood, it's wonderful to put out. And also metal. Metal is great because um, it honestly can just feel like galvanizing. I know that's not like an energy or an emotion that you can feel, but it's like strong and support. So metal's great, but keeping them all in harmony is you want to have a little bit of both. You don't want too much of one. So where you feel like, oh, there's there's a lot of, uh, if the whole walls were blue in here and there was no differentiator or balancing out with some greens and with some wood elements like a dark desk. Those things are definitely important. You want to make sure you can feel all the elements and they're flowing together so that the chi is flowing and supporting throughout the home. So I just need to ask a clarifying question, which is when you go into a home and you design it or you furnish it, let's say, are you adding every element to every room? Most of the time you will have one or more of the elements and elements that you don't even know that you have you might have somewhere in the home so it's not like you have to bring every single element in the home but the living room for example you do want a lot of grounding earth elements which would be in wood elements so 
specific areas of the home, you want those specific kind of elements more of. So we try to work with everything that they already have existing and balance out for the use and the the specific desire of the room and what it's going to serve as the purpose of the place. With energy and elements, keeping it as simple as possible and minimal as possible is still great, you know. And a lot of the times honoring the elements is also honoring the direction. So like your north, east, southwest, and there's certain ways we can face our furniture or when I'm designing a house like the the floor plan, I, I like to keep never a fire or a water element right across from each other because they're just going to counteract each other. Does that make sense? Like a stove and a sink. So to be completely honest and transparent, (laughs) no, it makes no sense to me. But I hear what you're saying. I think you're looking at design through an energetic lens. And for the rest of us, for listeners like me who maybe aren't designing their spaces in that way, they are thinking about what just feels right. I think that's just saying energy in another way. And so I love your tips because when you offer them up, I'm realizing that I'm doing them without even thinking almost. I mean, you've definitely given me some (laughs) areas of improvement, but we know in our guts and our souls what feels right. Yes. Absolutely. Like a lot of a lot of my clients don't even know that they've they've actually already followed the feng shui. They'll they'll be like, is this feng shui appropriate? I'm like, you're already doing it because you know um intuitively what is going to feel good in your space and supportive. And a lot of the times you'll feel what is not working and then try just changing the direction of what was not working, like literally change the direction of the furniture or, you know, move it to another room where it would have a a better purpose. But giving yourself permission to change your environment is a must because we can get attached to the way it looks and we can be like, okay, I'm used to it. I'm comfortable like this and I don't want it to change. But when we actually give our environment a new, a refreshed, like vibrant uh, purpose, like changing, moving something, it's actually really good for the home. It feels like an energy boost for you and for the home. So it's great to just change it up every now and then. Honestly, I rearrange my house literally every month. <laughs> I love it. But then there are certain bigger furniture pieces that we just want to keep, you know, they serve a purpose that, like I said earlier, the, the office desk facing in the middle of the room and the bedroom, the bed facing, uh, the middle of the room. So that's like your focus point. And then for the office desk, you want to be able to see out the door. Hmm. Your point about changing your furniture around every month brings me back to middle school where I was moving my bedroom furniture around (laughs) every couple weeks just because. And you're right, there is a sort of feeling of newness that comes when you do that. But I'm wondering, you know, I feel like a lot of people 
they never move their stuff around. Instead, they just keep absorbing more stuff. So maybe a beloved relative dies and you absorb some of their stuff, or maybe you see something on sale and you absorb it, you purchase it, you bring it home. And so we're in the habit collectively of absorbing stuff and not necessarily purging stuff and not necessarily moving stuff around. Do you see that with your clients? Yes, absolutely. And especially if it comes with something that was a family members and they pass, you feel obligated or a gift, you feel obligated to keep it. But is it actually like, just give yourself permission. Is it actually your style? Is it actually serving a purpose? Is it something that maybe you need to keep but put away in a closet? Closets and shelves are going to be a must for keeping that organization, like get it on the wall and off the, you know, put it away. So it's out of sight and out of mind, but purging and minimalizing. I know you, you love it, but that's exactly the most important thing because you can't think clearly if you have all this conflicting energy bouncing off and everything has energy, its own energy. So a curtain rod has its own energy wave frequency. So Everything is affecting, like I said, 33.3% of our environment is the cause of the result of our life and our good fortune. So we can actually give that the importance that it has and be like, this is not serving me. I need to purge this and make it fun. How much can you get out of your environment so that you can clear up and make space for new ideas and Uh, new abundance to come in and and good energy to come flow. So it's definitely important. Purging as much as possible is a must. But a lot of my clients have have a hard time letting go of some things. And that is totally normal too. Hmm. Technology is so present in our homes and in our lives these days. And to be completely honest, as I'm walking around my home during the day, I usually have my phone in my pocket. And so I'm wondering You know, I know that feng shui is an ancient Chinese philosophy, but I'm wondering what would feng shui say about technology? Where should we store our cell phone? When should we turn it off? Should it come up with us to the bedroom at night? Yes. I mean, if you could keep the electronics out of your bedroom, you're just going to sleep so much better and you're not going to wake up and grab your phone. You know, you can take some deep breaths, set your intention for the day, get ready, whatever you do in that morning routine, morning ritual. But leaving the electronics out of the bedroom, just because that's like your most sacred, serene space. So feng shui wise, you do not need to have a TV for the bedroom. You should only be in there at night, really, and early in the morning. And then you can go throughout your day and have all the other things you need where you're working and where you're getting out the door or coming back in. So encourage maybe just trying to leave your phone downstairs and just see how you sleep if you sleep better um, after maybe a few days and see if it's worth it. One more question before we go, which has to do with absorbing deceased relatives or maybe even not deceased, but relatives belongings. I'm wondering what that does to the energy of a home. And I'm asking this because (laughs) my 
grandmother who I was very close to passed away at the start of 2020. And I absorbed a lot of her stuff. And even as a minimalist who preaches (laughs) the importance of simple living every week on a podcast, I still felt as though I couldn't let this stuff go to Goodwill. I needed it to, you know, memorialize her. And even saying that out loud seems like I need to just listen to my own podcast, but it it just felt as though I needed some of this stuff. Were the items? Well, that's a lot. (laughs) One of the things is a painting that she had in her house, and that actually energetically feels right to keep. But I also have a lot of her holiday figurines. And on the one hand, I can't let them go. But on the other hand, I don't even want to display them. So help me. Yes. Okay. The holiday, it sounds like the painting is wonderful. And you can honor her with that painting. And she didn't necessarily, I'm sure when she bought the holiday figurines that they were more for the season, not for, you know, the long term or not something like the painting was important to her. So yeah, just get rid of them. If you need to actually save the little pieces of the holiday figurines and turn that into like a mod podge of something, another piece of memorial to honor her, that is wonderful. I love doing that with my clients, like taking old jewelry that means something to them or means something to a, a relative that's passed. And maybe you you don't wear it all the time, but can you like weave it into a dream catcher or something, for example? Can you make it into something like an art piece, you know, display it if it, you love it that much. But holiday figurines, I can't imagine, like you said, pretty bluntly that you just don't want to put them out. So <laughs> I totally understand the attachment of them, but you're honoring her with the painting. So you can totally let go of them whenever you want. Yeah. So much of that really spoke to me. You know, I'm honoring her in my heart every day. I know that the stuff isn't her. She's not She's not only on my mind because I see her stuff. She's in me. She's in my soul. And I also think about how, you know, I tell listeners to take one piece of a collection, let's say, to represent the whole. So let's say, you know, you get your mother's china. If you don't like the china, maybe you just keep a cup and saucer to memorialize her and to represent the whole collection. So why am I not doing that myself in my own life with this uh, collection of snow babies? I don't know. But thank you for giving me the permission, I think, to to let them go. Well, I would take a picture of them to like, just get rid of them and you'll have the photo to remember them by. Mm. And pass them on to somebody who is going to love on them because I'm not loving on them. <laughs> yes. Somebody out there would love those. (laughs) Brooke, where can my listeners get more of you and more of your feng shui tips and more of your interior design best practices? So my website, brooklavoy.com, you can go there and get your five tips to a harmonious home for free. And then I also have Instagram, of course, Facebook, and my Instagram is brookolavoy. So Cousin E O and L A V O I. 
I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I will link to all of your online presences in the show notes. And I wish you a very happy 2021. Thank you, Stephanie. You too. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Brooke Lavoie. I have linked to her website, her social media, everything you need in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 157. On next week's show, I am bringing you not one, but two conversations with two fellow environmentally friendly podcast hosts about how we can be more advanced in our sustainability efforts, as well as how we can convey our ideals to others without sounding preachy. So if you are a listener of environmentally friendly podcasts, you may hear your favorite hosts on next week's episode. I'm really excited for it. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, take care, and enjoy 2021. We made it. See you then.